week we looked at God's answer for anxiety, uh, for worry. Many times we're anxious and worried. Uh, we need to go, to go to the Word of God, amen? And it tells us there in Psalm chapter 37, it tells us to stop fretting about sinners. Fret not thyself for evildoers, for they shall soon be cut off. And by the way, that's easy preaching and hard living. We look around at our society and the freedoms that we have been given and all of us have enjoyed our entire lives and we see them literally crumbling and eroding before us in moral decay. It's easy to start fretting. Don't do that. Don't do that. Then it tells us to trust in the Lord. It tells us to do good. It tells us to delight thyself also in the Lord. It tells us to commit our way unto the Lord. It tells us to rest in the Lord and wait in the Lord. Amen? Answer to anxiety. That song is such a great lead-in to our message tonight. Music is one of God's most beautiful creations and one of God's most blessed gifts. You know, the Bible says in James 1.17 that every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from above from the Father of lights in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. That He, he gives gifts to His children, and, and I'm thankful for music. I remember uh, years ago now, our, our, uh, Luke was just a little guy, and uh, just three, four months old, and my dad had passed away, and my mom said, I want to take you and the boys to, I want to take you and Carrie and the boys to Disney, and uh, we went years ago, and I remember the first thing that jumped out at me, Brother Hutch, literally the first thing, oh, it's nice you're there, all that, was the music. It's beautiful. It's not thumpy, it's not beat-driven or anything like that. It's almost all harmonious. It's almost all symphonic. It just, it struck me. I, I think about uh, music, and particularly music that God gave. Uh, God says a lot in His Word about singing. Now, there's always been a, a theological debate, do angels sing? Do angels sing? If you, if you uh, look at uh, um, the, the passage in Luke, it says that the great heavenly host raised their voices and said, glory to God in the highest. doesn't particularly say they sang, but if you go to the Old Testament... The Bible says in the book of Job that when the, when the earth was created, uh, the morning stars sang together. It's another term for angels. Angels sing. You know, the people of God sung. Remember when God delivered them from Egypt? They sung a song. The song of Moses, it's called, in Exodus 15. They, they sung in Numbers 21, 17. They sung in Judges 5, 1. They sung in 2 Chronicles 29, uh, uh, 28 through 30. Uh, hey, remember Paul and Silas at midnight? They prayed and sang praises to God, and everybody heard them. We used to have a guy in our home church Every time somebody would get up to sing a special, Brother LaPrade, he'd say, sing loud. <laughs> Amen. Well, they sung loud enough that everybody heard them. Amen. You know, the Bible says in Matthew 14, 26, after they had sung a hymn, they went out. You know what it says in Revelation 5, 9? And they sung unto him a new song. All those in heaven sung unto him a new song, saying, Thou art worthy. What a song that's going to be. Right. Worthy is the Lamb. Amen. 
So people sing, angels sing. You know, the Bible says the birds sing. I don't know about you, but I love when in, in mornings like this, when it's still cool and crisp and all that, and all of a sudden I'll hear a little bird singing, and I'll be like, oh, spring is coming, amen. It's like, uh, we've been seeing the cardinals out at our place, the beautiful red cardinals, amen. But birds sing, according to Psalm 104, verse 12. Hey, how about this? First Chronicles 16, 33, and 34 tell us that the trees sing. The trees sing. Beautiful. You, you know, if you've ever been in a forest and the trees start to get leaning and that wind starts to push the leaves along, it's a beautiful song. Amen? Singing. You know, singing is part of worship. The Bible tells us in Psalm 149, verse 1, uh, praise, praise ye the Lord, sing unto, unto the congregation of His saints. I remember reading that, uh, particularly, forgive me, three years ago when COVID was going on and people saying, well, you, got, you can't sing, you, you can't, you're expelling things. And I said, well, I'm sorry, but I have a verse that tells me I need to sing as part of my worship. Uh, I'll make sure I'm six feet away from somebody, but I'm going to sing, amen, part of worship. Uh, according to Psalm 81 and Psalm 95, one, it's a command. Singing in worship is a command. Hey, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 says, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. The next verse says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. Say, what does that tell us about singing? I'll tell you this, singing the right kind of music is a product of spiritfulness. The reason some Christians don't sing is because they're so full of the world. Instead of the Spirit of God. It's a product of the fullness of the Spirit. Colossians chapter 3, verse 6. Let's go to that verse. Go with that verse with me. Colossians 3, New Testament. Great verse. Great verse. Colossians chapter 3. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Chapter 3. This is a great passage of Scripture. Verse, Really verse 12 on down to... Verse 17, but if you look at verse number 16, look what it says here. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, are we there? Say amen. amen. All right. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and sim, and, and, and I'm sorry, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with Grace in your hearts to the Lord. I like that. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. When you have little ones, this is a blessing. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father's up above, and He's looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. You know what you're doing? You're teaching and admonishing. There's a God in heaven, and He's watching. So be careful. Be careful what you look at. Be careful what you... And by the way, there's so many songs like that. And by the way, they're not just for kids. Amen? Teaching and admonishing one another. So uh, that tells us that singing is biblical. And it ought to be biblical, ought to be rooted in the Word of Christ dwelling in you richly. If the Word of Christ dwells on the inside, it'll break out on the outside in song. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, man, I couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. Trust me, we know. We know. 
never says that you have to be a good singer to sing. Amen. Forgive me, we need, more, we need more Christians, we need more shower singers to sing in public, amen? <laughs> oh, you know what, according to James 5.13, singing is, he says, is any merry? Let him sing songs. You know what that tells me? Songs coming out on the outside are a product of happiness on the inside, joy. We should sing, according to the Bible, we should sing after great victories in our lives. That's Exodus chapter 15. We should sing during trials. That's Paul and Silas in the jail. You know what it says? When they observed the Lord's Supper, they sung in Him. One of the things I love during the Lord's Supper is Miss Heidi or Miss Robin will be over there playing. They'll be playing those songs that we know. There is a fountain filled with blood, the old rugged cross, amen. When I survey the wondrous cross, it reminds us of that. Music is such a blessing. Some people do not have an ear for music, and still others have, uh, have talent or, or have, uh, think about the, the lack of talent, musical talent, or even uh, no appreciation for music. I, I've met people that just don't appreciate music. It's not that they are, are upset about it or anything. They just don't appreciate it. I'm the type, if you come into my office, there will almost always be music playing. In, when I'm at my office at the house, I like to have music playing. Um, but, and, and again, I, I think about it, and I think about the importance of good, godly music. And let me just say this in, in kind of, uh, it's not a message necessarily on uh, the, the, the modern trends of music, but I will say this, uh, music is way more than just message. And I hope you'll listen to me on this. There are, there are those that would convince us that it's only the words of, of music that matter. And I will tell you something, uh, as, as a former heavy metal drummer, I can take you to heavy metal songs that have biblical lyrics. Biblical. Absolutely biblical. Music is more than just message. It also has to do with melody and meter and method. Music is important. Amen? It's important. So if you look at our text tonight, back there in Psalm chapter 40, it's a great chapter of the Word of God. Uh, uh, David deals with deliverance. We're going to look at that uh, in just a little bit in verses 1 through 5. And, and uh, so again, we're, we're going to be kind of dwelling in those verses, so I'll not linger long. But uh, in verses 6 through 10, he deals with delight. And I like this, especially in verse 6, he, <clears throat> he talks about their Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears have thou opened. Burnt offering and sin offering thou hast not required. It said, then said I, lo, uh, come in, uh, comes in the volume of the book, it is written to me. By the way, Jesus quoted this uh, in the Gospels. He said, I delight to do thy will. And let me, let me tell you just a little bit about that. Sacrifice and burnt offering were part of worship. But what it is saying here is if you don't have the, your heart in the right place, if you don't have a clean heart, if you're not doing it because you love God, then God's not pleased with it. Now, he wasn't saying don't do that. He was saying make sure your heart's right. It, it's very similar in the New Testament when we think about that passage that, that our leftist friends love, which is judge not that you be not judged. They just love that verse. Well, if you go on and you read, it says, look, 
you, you have a, a log sticking out of your own eye, and that person has a, a little toothpick in their eye. you got to get that log out of your own eye so you can see clearly and judge correctly. They say, first things first. Amen? First things first when it comes to worship is not bringing your, your lamb and your, your, your offering. It's making sure your heart is right with God. Yeah, read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, those first, those first three verses. You know what it says? It says, if you don't start with a love for God, it profits you nothing. If you don't do what you do because you love God, well, I'll tell you, that, Pastor Brent, that's convicting. I think of things that I do in the Lord's work that have to be done. They have to be done. Uh, you know, again, I, I've, I've told this story before. Through the years, I had a dear friend in Bible college. He's doing great now. He's a great pastor. And he was a poor student, Brother Dan. He just didn't like doing work. Didn't like turning in assignments. And uh, Steve Sammons knows Dr. Harry Carr. Dr. Harry Carr came up to me. I was a little bit of an older student. And uh, he, said, he said, Rich, can I ask you a question? I said, certainly, Dr. Carr. And he said, what would you do with someone who would not turn in papers at the end of the term. We, we had papers that were due, 10-page papers, 15-page papers, 30-page papers. And by the way, these were Bible classes. These were things about the Bible. So it wasn't like he's asking them to turn in phys ed papers or, or psychology papers or something like that. Again, you should turn those in too. But these are Bible papers for pastoral students. And he asked me, he said, what, what would you do? I said, I'd flunk him. That's what I'd do. I'd make him take the class over again. And Dr. Carr was always so nice, Brother Majors. He said, well, he's like, ah. He's like, what I do is, is I'll let them turn it in a week late, and then I'll give them a B. The best grade they can get is a B plus. And if it's a week after that, it's a C plus. And if it's a week after that, it's a D plus. And if after that, it's incomplete until they turn it in. And I remember just seething brother boss and I was like you flunked that kid and that's what I said to him I said this I said last time I checked every pastor had four papers due every week Sunday school Sunday morning Sunday night and Wednesday night and you people expect those to be done I need to do them because I love the Lord Amen. not because they need to be done Sometimes they need to be done is mixed in with a love for the Lord. Amen. Hey, Lord, you know I love you. I need to get these done. Help me. Amen. But by the way, again, that, that fellow's doing great. He's, he's a great pastor today. He, I think he finally learned that he had four assignments due every week. Amen. Delight. What's the delight there? The delight is just a love for the Lord. Well, then, of course, in verses 11 through 17, there's not only deliverance and delight, there's desire. We see prayer in verse 11. We see uh, preservation also in verse 11 there. I love that. He said, thy truth continually preserved. And then I love verse 12. I don't know if you noticed it. He, he, not only we have prayer and preservation, but we have problems, don't we? Problems. And I, I don't know if you caught this as we were reading this. I hope you did. He said, for innumerable evils have compassed about me. Mine iniquities have taken hold upon me. And then you know what he says about his sins, his iniquities? He says, so that I'm not able to look up, they are more than the hairs of my head. Now, I know what you bald guys are thinking right now. You're sinning less, I know. But I don't know, I don't know about you, Brother Boston, I was encouraged when I read that. 
Because here's David, and he says, yes, there are innumerable evils on the outside of me, but I got a whole bunch of problems on the inside of me too. Sin. Listen to me. Until the Lord Jesus calls you home, you have to battle with sin. If you think you've arrived, (laughs) give it about five minutes, and you'll find out you haven't. I love that, that there, this idea that David says, yes, there's prayer and there's preservation. Why? Because there's problems. They had problems. But then, praise God, verse 13, we learn that there's protection. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help thee. Then we see punishment in verses 14 and 15. It says, look, let them be ashamed and confounded together that seek my soul to destroy it. We don't know if This was a time either Absalom was chasing David or Saul was chasing David, but uh, someone was, and he said, look, God, you know, uh, punish them according to their works. And then in verse 17, he he gives praise, verses 16 and 17, he gives praise, let all that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee, let such as love thy salvation continually say, the Lord be magnified. I want you to go back, if you would, look at verse number three. It's going to kind of be our key. We're going to look at really these first three verses tonight. And the title of our message is, Then Sings My Soul. We're going to sing that song at our invitation, uh, How Great Thou Art. But it says there in verse 40, or chapter 40, verse 3, it says, And he hath put a what, church? A new song in my mouth. Even praise to our God. Many shall see it and shall fear and shall trust in the Lord. Many of us who were saved a little later in life can remember the old songs. It's amazing. I'll be in a store and I'll hear a song that I haven't heard in 30 years. And I'll kick right back in. I think about, again, I mentioned I, I was a, a, a heavy metal drummer and I taught myself how to play the drum. You say, how did you do that? I listened to songs over and over and over and oh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times I'd listen to that song to try to figure out the drum line. I remember the old songs, the old songs that are part of the old nature. But here, we have a new song. What's this new song about? What's this new song about? Can I tell you this? It's a song of praise, and we're going to see what David praises God for in this text. The first thing he praises God for is his devotion, number one, God's devotion. Look at verse number one. He says here, I waited patiently for the Lord. I think most of us wouldn't be able to say that. <laughs> Amen. Get your black magic marker out and highlight that verse. Amen. <laughs> I waited patiently for the Lord. But what do we see there? David's waiting patiently, but what does it say? He inclined unto me and heard my cry. Say, what does this have to do with God's devotion? Two things I see in this verse. First of all, he hears. He hears. Doesn't he? He's listening. He's listening. I hope you have a time each day where you talk to God. Most of us don't pray because we simply don't have a time that we have set aside to pray. I'm telling you. How do you know that, Pastor? Because I am just like you. 
You say, but you're the pastor. Yes, I know. And you know what that means? If you cut my hand, it will bleed red just like you. Same, we're made of the same stuff. Here's what we know. He hears us. Hey, when it comes to prayer, we need to confess sin to him. I believe you ought to do that first. You ought to make things right. Why? Because if I regard an iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Psalms tells us, amen. But beyond that, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here's David, and David is a sinner. We know that from this text. And David has problems, and yet David says, hey, God is so devoted to me, and let me tell you about his devotion. He heard me. He inclined his ear unto me. But then not only according to verse 1 do we see his devotion in the fact that he hears but he not only hears, he helps. It says, he heard my cry, but then in the middle of the verse it says, he inclined unto me. He inclined unto me. That means he helped me. You know, one of the things I think it's going to be wonderful to get to heaven and do a review of the times when God helped us. I don't know, I don't know how that's going to happen, if this, I, I, but just the idea that God, how many times has God helped me? How many times has some, I, I think about what my wife is going through right now with her cancer and, and whatnot, and, and people constantly ask me, how, how's your wife doing? And, and, and Miss Christine, you know this, they ask it with that, with that um, you know, twinge of sadness in, in their question. They're genuinely asking because they love you, amen, but there's that twinge of sadness like she must be doing bad is kind of the, the thought. And almost always my wife and I will, will say, oh, she's doing so good. She's doing so good. I mean, she has some, some problems with her arm right now, some of that lymphedema and whatnot, but we think about all that could be going wrong in, in her life right now. And I'll tell you what we both attribute it to. The fact that so many people have been calling our name out to God. Yeah. But not only just that he hears, he can hear all the day long and that would be wonderful. But he helps. So we see God's devotion in verse 1. This, this new song has to do with God's devotion. This new song, is, it's about God's devotion. But secondly, of course, if you look at verse number two, this new song of praise is not only a song of God's devotion, but it's a song of God's deliverance. Look at verse number two. What a passage this is. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit and out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. I want you to hold your place here, and I want you to go with me to the New Testament, to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians. Chapter number 2, please. This is one of my favorite chapters in the entire Word of God. Ephesians chapter 2. It tells us here how... What God does for us in salvation and how far gone we were when, we say, when He saved us. We don't think of ourselves this way. 
But I promise you, this is the way we were before we came to Christ. It says here, and you hath he quickened, that word means made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. So literally, like Adam, all the way back, remember when God said to, to Adam, he said, he said, you can eat of all the trees of the, uh, uh, of the garden, but of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, you shall not eat of it. But in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Right? Adam and Eve ate, and they fell down dead. Is that correct? No. But they did die that day. They died spiritually. Their spirit, soul, sin came in and caused death. And now we know that the wages of sin is death. That wherefore, as Romans 5.12 says, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So every one of us, though we're born alive in the flesh, we're still dead in sins, trespasses and sins. You mean that, that, that you know, little one, my little four-year-old is a sinner? I don't have, you know, that's a, that question answers itself. That little demoniac that you have, I mean, that little angel that you have, amen? <laughs> no, you know little ones are sinners. It's obvious that they're sinners. Do the wrong thing, amen? Well, each one of us is not only a sinner, but we are dead in trespasses and sins. Listen, it's hard to revive a corpse. Read what it says here. It says that's exactly what happened. And you hath he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. And then it tells us, how far gone were we? I mean, I was raised in a good Christian home, Pastor. I mean, am I really? Listen, this is what it says. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation, that means our manner of life, in times past, fulfilling the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. He said, you see how the world is today? That's how you were when you were dead in trespasses and sins. Look at verse 4. But God. Those great divine conjunctions of the Bible. We preached on that several years ago. The divine conjunction, but God. But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. You think about back there in Psalm chapter 40, verse 2. We wonder what David is what what deliverance David is praising God for. 
David was most certainly delivered from the hand of Saul several times. He was delivered from Absalom. He was delivered from innumerable evils. But perhaps he mentions there in Psalm 40, he mentions not only an horrible pit, but also out of the miry clay. Maybe it was the pit of depression. By the way, that is a pit. And if you, listen, if you're not a person who, who uh, deals with depression on a consistent basis, you ought to praise God for it, because I know some people who deal with it, and it's real. It used to be preachers that, oh, no, you just, you just need to get right with God. Now, I will say this, obedience is an important part of mental health for a Christian. So the reason some of you are depressed is because you just will not obey God in a matter, and you still want to be happy, and God's not going to let you. You give in and say, I'm going to obey God, and God will help you with that. But there are some people I know that, listen, Brother Apple, the glass is just half empty. I happen to think it's half full. They think it's half empty. That's just the way. By the way, the Bible mentions people like that in the New Testament. It calls them poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So I wonder what David, maybe it was depression, maybe it was discouragement, maybe it was despair. But I want to tell you something, the believer here, talking about deliverance, the believer has been delivered from death. Hmm? The horrible pit. I think about sin's hopelessness. I think about sin's helplessness. I think about sin's hell that we each deserve. And David is saying, hey, God, he brought me out of a horrible pit. Oh, Christian, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you've been saved, that ought to break out in song all around you. Oh, I know. Listen, again, we mentioned some people can't sing. That doesn't matter. Saved, I'm saved through Christ my all and all. Saved, I'm saved whatever may befall. He died upon the cross for me. He bore the awful penalty. And now I'm saved eternally. I'm saved, saved, saved. We have heard the joyful sound. Hmm? Huh? When you get to thinking about this, and you think of all that God delivered you from, every time I preach a message on hell, I think God delivered me from that. Well, that's something to sing a new song about. That's something to sing a new song about. God's deliverance. God's devotion. How about there in Psalm chapter 40, back in Psalm chapter 40, verse 2, the back half of verse 2, this new song is a song of praise for God's devotion. It's a song of praise for God's deliverance, delivered from sin's hopelessness and sin's helplessness and sin's hell, from from the horrible pit, from the miry clay. And then it's a song of praise for God's dependability. Verse 2, he brought me up also out of an horrible pit and out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock. You see, in sin it was a horrible pit. 
and it was miry, slippery clay. But in the Savior, it's a rock. It's dependable. You know, it tells us in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11, for other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Hey, we, we sing a song, sometimes we sing it in choir, sometimes we sing it in, in our hymnal. I'm standing on the solid rock. Through my disappointments, strife and discontentment, I cast my every care on the Lord. No matter what obsession, pain or deep depression, I'm standing on the solid rock. Aren't you glad God's dependable? Again, think about sinners, the the idea of slipping and sliding, and, and think about the difference of having your feet planted on a rock. It's a steady, sturdy place. I think about the rock that the Lord Jesus Christ is in my life. So many times I need a rock. I, I, I need one that's not going to move. By the way, the, I, the, I think that that's why a church ought not to change with the times. Listen, there are, there are things, okay, listen, pews and carpets, and by the way, even pianos and things like that over the years where the church has made some modifications. We have a graphic up there, okay? But I'm talking about churches that just totally acclimate themselves to the culture. No. What, you know what people need, and I've, I've heard this countless times from people that used to be part of this church and have come back. They said, you know, one thing I preach about this church is it doesn't change. You, the older you get, the more you're going to find out the things in your life that were solid and steady are the things you appreciate. And I think about the Lord God in our lives. It says, He set my feet upon a rock. He's dependable. He's de- I'm the Lord God. I change not, Malachi 3, 6 says. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. You can depend on Him. And by the way, because you can depend on Him, because He never changes, His promises are ever the same. So it's a song of praise for God's devotion. It's a song of praise for God's deliverance. It's a song of praise for God's dependability. It's a song of praise for God's direction. What's He say there at the end of verse 2? He says, he set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. He established my goings. One, one more time to the New Testament here. Go with me, if you would, to Colossians chapter 3. I know we were already in Colossians once. I should have had you mark your Bible and said, we're coming back here. Amen. Colossians chapter 3. What a verse this is. He established my goings. You know, the Bible teaches in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And it just really shows us there, there's a, there's a difference between the new life and the old life. Now again, we still have the old nature, Christian. We still battle against the flesh. It's going to be with us until the day we die, amen. And what a glorious day that's going to be, that, that sweet hour of prayer sings it, this robe of flesh, I'll drop and rise and seize the everlasting prize, amen. But there's a difference between the old nature 
and the new nature. There ought to be a difference, Christian, between the old life and the new life. And we learn that here in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, if you're saved, if you have new life in Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. And then he says in verse 2, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. See, what does this have to do with he's established my goings, Pastor? Because with new life comes new direction. And he says, listen, if you are saved, if you truly have new life, you should seek after new things. The things that please God. The things that set your affection on things above. Listen, missions conference is coming up. You know what missions conference really is in my heart, my own heart, my wife's heart? We went to our first missions conference in 1997 at Mountain View Baptist Church. Brother John Hamlin preached. We had some, by the way, uh, some of our missionaries that were there that day were just, they just had their missions conference last week, Miss Kim, and Brother Santino was there. And Brother Santino, brother, Pastor Tharp used to call him everything but Santino. We called him Pastor Santiano, Pastor Santiago, Pastor Santiago. I mean, you just name it. Uh, he called him everything but Brother Santino. Brother Santino's still there. Let me tell you what missions is to me. Missions is me as a, a person with new life wanting to prioritize the things that are important to God in my life. And that's exactly what Colossians is talking about here. Set your affection on things above. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21, he said, Seek those things that are above. Where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. God's direction. He establishes our goings. I, sweetheart, I think about that in our lives back, my goodness, it seems so long ago. When, when we, we packed up that U-Haul and went to Midwestern Baptist College from Holyoke, Massachusetts, I, I think my dad thought I was crazy. I think he literally thought my son has gone absolutely lunatic. I remember pulling out and thinking, maybe he's right. <laughs> don't have any money. Don't know how we're going to make it. Don't, you know... Didn't have 10, 12 grand stacked up to try to, you know, make it till, till we, just, oh my goodness, how he established our goings. How he established our, by the way, he did the same thing for you, whether you're in the ministry or not. He established your goings. If you are trying your best to live for him, he establishes your goings every day. That's why you ought to be in God's word every day. Why? Because it'll establish your going. It'll keep you on the right track. It's a song of praise for God's devotion. It's a song of praise for God's deliverance. It's a song of praise for God's dependability. It's a song of praise for God's direction. And then lastly, back in Psalm chapter 40, it's a song of praise for God's doings. If you look at verses 1 through 3 with me, I know we've looked at them quite a bit, but I want you to notice something. 
as we kind of go through them, I'll, I'll take the time and just kind of accent what I want you to notice there. It says, in verse 1, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me. And we could, listen, there's not a he there, but there could be. And he heard my cry, correct? He did hear, hear our cry. He inclined unto me. Verse 2, he brought me up also out of an horrible pit. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock. He established my goings. He hath put a new song in my mouth. So this idea of God's doings here are God's works in our lives. And listen, ladies and gentlemen, when we get to heaven, yes, the only people who get to heaven are those who receive Christ. But when we get to heaven, you know what we're going to say? He did it! He did it! In my life, he did all these wonderful things in my life. And I want to tell you something. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven to tell people how good he is in your life. You can sing that new song of praise now and talk about God's doings in your life when everybody else is telling the dirty jokes and telling the awful stories. You can tell them how good God has been in your life. And you know what will happen? If you look at the end of verse 3, the results of this new song are at the end of verse 3. First of all, the results are transparent. What do we see there at the end of verse 3? It says, He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it. Which is interesting because it's a song. You ever think about that? They shall see a song. Yeah, that's you. That's you living out your faith. Paul would say that about the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians after they received the epistle of 1 Corinthians, which is a very corrective letter. They received it, and in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, he, said, he says to that church, he said, you are our epistles or letters written and known of all men. He said, you, you're, you're walking, living epistles. You ever heard that, that phrase, you're the only Bible some people ever read? Yep. It's true. That's where you get it from. 2 Corinthians 3, 2 and 3. You're the only Bible that some people ever read. So he says this, when, 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 the, when the believer is singing the new song and living the new song, the results are transparent. People all around, you can't miss that. Something, something's different about you. Hey, I'm, I'm so thankful. I go back in my life and I think now it's been 29 years, it'll be in the fall, since I met a co-worker, Brother Cole, who was different. And we went, on, we went on a short trip and he took two things out of his pocket, two gospel tracts, and he gave them to me and I still have them to this day. One was This Was Your Life by Jack Chick, and the other one was A Message from People Who Care by the Reapers. And he was different. He Listen, he, we'd go out on Friday nights and have a beer. He never did. Never. The guys would be cussing and telling dirty jokes. He never did. He was different. And it was obvious. I'm going to tell you something, Christian. If you will sing God's new song in your heart, it will break out and it will be transparent to everyone around you. It says it right here. Many shall see it. Many shall see it. 
He hath put a new song in my heart. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it. It's transparent. But then not only is it transparent, it causes turning. Many shall see it and what? And fear. And fear. Say, what is that, pastor? And fear, this idea of turning, recognizing who God is because of people who live for Him. What an opportunity that gives us sometimes when people say, you know, you're different. Yeah. Yeah, God did something wonderful in my life. Let me tell you, He's not only wonderful, but He's to be feared. He's the God of all creation. He's the one who made it all. Many shall see it and fear. It says there's not only it's transparent, there's turning, and then it says there's trust. And it says at the end of verse 3, and shall trust in the Lord. And shall trust in the Lord. Here's my, my application to you tonight. It's 7, 712 here. Here's my application to you. Are you a praising Christian? Or are you a pouting Christian? Best Christians I've ever known were not Christians who didn't have trials in their lives. They were the people who sung through the trials that new song that God had done something in their life and this was just part of His plan right now. Are you a pouting Christian or a praising Christian? Well, why does this always happen to me? I got this. Forgive me, I don't often say this. I'm not in the pulpit right now. <laughs> huh? You know what? You, you, need, you need to take that new song and put it back on your spiritual CD player here. Huh? And get to remembering how good God is. And get to remembering his devotion. And get to really just, just start focusing on his deliverance in your life. The fact that you're not going to spend one second in hell. If that was all God ever did for you, you ought to praise him for the rest of your life every day, all day. But then there's dependability too. God's dependability in our lives. God's direction. in All of God's doings. Mom and dad, when you lay those little ones down tonight, by the way, they won't be little for long. I'm thankful for all the little ones we have here, but you, some of your parents know they're not going to be little for long. They grow up fast. When you lay those little ones down, and if you're like me, when my kids were little, I used to watch them sleep. Not all night, you know. I mean, I'd go to sleep myself, but I'd look at them, and there they were. And I'm telling you, I got to praising God. I got to praising God for his doings in my life. Listen, then sings my soul. Then sings my soul. Why? Because of his devotion. Because of his deliverance. Because of his dependability. Because of his direction. And because of his doings. Are you a pouting Christian or a praising Christian? Father, we love you. Thank you for all that you do in our lives. Lord, thank you for this thought tonight, such a simple thought. What a good thought. We have so much, those of us that truly are born again. Maybe there are some here tonight that know you not as their own personal Savior.